I think it was Henry David Thoreau that said, the masses of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Quiet desperation. What a, what a way to live your life. And I think uh, that is truer as the older you get, that there is a sense of desperation. And I'll tell you why that desperation is there. It's the meaning or the purpose of this sermon. It, it's not true as a child, though. You're not aware of any desperation going on in your life. You're happy. Life is simple. You're, you really, as a child, you really are ignorant of a lot of the world and the way it is. You, you just can't contemplate that. And for that reason, you're a happy little boy, a happy little girl. And, uh, but as we age, we become more aware of what I call reality and all its ugliness. What is reality and all its ugliness? The fact is, we are going to die. That's reality and all its ugliness. Quiet desperation, and that quiet desperation exists often because of this reality. We know that we are getting closer to this point of death. And uh, yeah, it, it can lead one to a... Uh, quiet desperation. In Hebrews 2 and verse 14, it says this, Hebrews 2 and verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. So we're not alone in this journey in our quiet desperation. We've got a brother in Christ who went through the same thing. Uh, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. Oh, there it is, the fear of death. The contemporary English version says this of Hebrews 2 and verse 15. But he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. Fear of dying. Our quiet desperation. Now, it's a strange thing. As long as you are healthy, you don't have no problem with death. You know, yeah, I, I, I ain't got no problem with it. I can handle that. You know, bring it on, whatever. I'll be like an old dog that goes out in the woods and dies somewhere, and I won't bother nobody. As long as you're healthy, you don't have, you know, you think you can handle it as long as you are healthy. Death don't bother me. I'm ready to die. Stupid things we say like that, you know. But when a health issue hits you and you got a diagnosis or an accident or something has happened to you all of a sudden and you realize one day I'm going to die, that's when the quiet desperation can set in. Now, I know we got our faith, and I'll talk a little bit about that, about the afterlife, the resurrection. All of that is encouraging, and I'll, I'll go through that. The fear of dying. And I was, I'm amazed at the contrast between the two. You know, as a child, I, I can think back to as a child, and I'll show you the point. My, my parents lived in this big house on the hill here. That's where we were reared, and uh, I could show you in the backyard the spot I was setting. I don't know how I can remember this because I was a little boy about this tall. But that was a defining moment. I was sitting in the backyard, a big old poplar tree that used to be there. 
And, you know, the feel of the, gra the cool grass, the buttercups were coming up, the smell of a flower, and it was pure joy and happiness. I mean, it was a simple life. I, I didn't have anything to worry about. Uh, <laughs> but pure ecstasy, just, just living, just, just living life. And um, another thing I had happen to me later in life was, um, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this, I was lying on the couch, looking outside at the blue sky and the leaves blowing, and sort of the trees swaying and the leaves blowing. And it was, something came over me. It was spiritual. Had to be. I wasn't doing anything to deserve it. Some people refer to it as glimpses of eternity sometimes that God may give you. It only lasted about 15 minutes, but it was the best 15 minutes of my life, I guarantee you that. If I, if I could feel that just absolute joy and peace, not because of anything, I was, I was lying on the couch. I mean, how active was that? I mean, but just incredible awestruck for God and his creation and joy just filled my being. And like I said, I haven't gotten that back since that day. I've prayed for it. I've asked for it. But someone referred to it as glimpses of eternity that God sometimes gives us. And I, I believe he does. And I, I think other people have had certain experiences like that. But I look at the contrast between that child who comes into the world who is happy and joyous. And, and then the contrast is, well, the contrast is, if you, if you want to see it, go visit an old folks home. That's the contrast. And that's where we're headed. Uh, it's, it's called getting old. It's called getting old. And uh, my you know, mother tells a story, I think, about Greg one time as a little boy. And he, uh, they, he was, you know how children start to stare at people? And, and it was an old man he was staring at, a wrinkledy old man. Face all you know how you know elderly people can look sort of rough, and uh, and and my mother said, Greg, what are you staring at? And, he, and she said, that, that old man, you know, he looked, you know, and she said, well, you know, son said said he's old, and we're we're all going to get like that one day. And he broke down and started crying. He said, I don't want to get old. <laughs> and believe me, I'm here today telling you, I don't want to get old, and I don't want to die. But. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? We all in this room, you know what's coming. You can't prevent it. You're headed in that direction. And the contrast between the two of this child that comes into the world with joy and happiness and just loving everything, and then, then the contrast between getting old. The end of one's life. And Solomon talks about this. And it's, it's not even a joy to read. You know, usually you think the Bible inspires me, but this doesn't inspire me. This, this depresses me, but I'm going to read it anyway. I'm going to set you up for a little depression here. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, and I'm going to read in the contemporary English version of the Bible. I like the way it reads a lot better. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. It says, keep your creator in mind while you are young. And there's a challenge right there. I wish I would have known this earlier in my life. The challenge of while you're young, let's get serious about God. Don't wait until you're, you know, old and ugly or whatever. But do it now. Do it now. Uh, 
In years to come, you will be burdened down with troubles and say, I don't enjoy life anymore. Wow, what a statement. I don't enjoy life anymore. I want to, but I, it's, a, it's something in the way of me enjoying life. Now, what's in the way? Well, keep reading. <laughs> if you really want to be depressed, keep reading. Okay. Some days the light of the sun and the moon and the stars will all seem dim to you. Rain clouds will remain over your head. Whether it's raining or not, they'll be over your head, you know. Uh, your body will grow feeble. Your teeth will decay. Your eyesight will fail. The noisy grinding of grain will be shut out by your deaf ears, but even the song of a bird will keep you awake. Yeah, even things that you used to like start to irritate you. I'm already doing that. Yeah. It's like I thought I liked that at one time. I thought I loved that. That sound, that smell, you know, whatever. But it's, it's, it's irritating. Yeah. You will be afraid to climb up a hill or walk down a road. Your hair will turn as white as an almond blossom. You will feel lifeless and drag along like an old grasshopper. And that's not good. Okay. We each go to our eternal home, and the streets are filled with those who mourn. The silver cord snaps. The golden bow, bow, bow is broken. Uh, the water pitcher is smashed, and the pulley at the wheel is shattered. It's just a description of what happens to this body. It just falls apart. Okay. Uh, so our bodies return to the earth, and the life-giving breath returns to God. Or the spirit in man returns back to God who gave it. Under these conditions, why would you enjoy life? You know? <laughs> but I, I come back to this verse in Hebrews 2 and verse 15. But he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. You know, I think about how this fear of dying can dominate one's life and take away joy in your life even while you're younger even while you're not you, you haven't fallen apart yet you're, you're still doing pretty good but that fear of dying or death can take away joys many joys and I don't like it you know I, I love riding motorcycles been riding motorcycles all of my life since I was 12 well not all but since I was 12 my first mini bike 12 okay and, you know, I've had all kinds of motorcycles, and uh, I eventually sold my road bike because I started thinking what might happen. You know, people are crazy. Beer is good. People are crazy. What? <laughs> all, right. all right. And I started thinking, well, you know, people are crazy. You know, people pull out in front of you, and you could get hurt and smashed, uh, smashed up. And, you know, and I sold that thing for fear. Fear. That's the reason I sold it. And I thought... That's kind of, that's dumb, man. I mean, you enjoy, you enjoy that, don't you? Why? You know, but, but that's sort of the reason I, I, I got rid of it. How this fear can dominate pleasures in life. Playing it safe. Playing, oh, I got it. We got to play it safe. Can't do anything. Might get hurt. Might get hurt, and, and getting hurt hurts. <laughs> we don't want to get hurt around here. And, you know, 
the reality is, you know, I, I think about, okay, you might be better off wrapping your motorcycle around a tree and dying than the alternative. You ever thought about that? You know, uh, it's like, what's worse than dying? You ever thought about what's worse than dying? Let me tell you, getting old. That's worse than dying. Okay. It can be. It can be. Oh, yeah, it can be. What's worse than wrapping your motorcycle around a tree and dying? Visit an old folks' home. There's your answer. We play it safe and live out our lives in fear of what might happen. And, you know, we, we, we deny the scripture right here. You don't have to turn there. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where, where you go. What you love to do can be dangerous. Many things I love to do are dangerous. You know, we've got people in here that ride horses. That's dangerous. You know, I don't ride horses. Last horse my sister put me on, it was like you needed a, a ladder to get up on it. And I, I didn't know horses could be that tall. And that thing threw me off and I landed on my butt. And I've had back problems ever since. So I blame it on my sister, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you, you love it. You love doing that. You love riding motorcycles. You, you love riding horses. You love whatever it may be. I, I don't know what's safe that you can love. Maybe knitting or something like that. <laughs> You know, but you stick yourself over But a lot of things we love, you know, they bring us joy and, and we've, we've got to play it safe. And why? Why? Yes, what you love to do may be dangerous, but do it. Do it with your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Now, I want to look at a dilemma in the Bible that caused this whole dread of death. That, the fear of death. Okay. Genesis 2 and verse 15. Genesis 2 and verse 15. You know the story, and I'm not going to go through all of it. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely, oh, here it is, die. Surely die. And you know what happened? They sinned. We sinned. Given the exact same opportunity, you know, you can't, you can't blame Adam. You can't blame, blame Eve or anything. The same thing, you know. It would happen to us all. But, but the reason, and, and you need to acknowledge this, the, the reason I have to die is because of my stupidity, because of my sin. That's the reason we have to, the fear of death, that's the reason we have to die. And I have no one to blame for the dreading this thing called death but myself. You shall surely die. Now, I'm, okay, I know salvation is out there, all that stuff, but I'm, I'm just dealing with the here and now, right now. He also died to rescue all of us who live each day in the fear of dying. I'm talking about the fear of dying. Now, let's talk about the rescue operation. How to handle this, fear of dying. This is just advice on how to handle the fear of dying. Like I said, if you're healthy and you know, you, nothing going on, you, you probably think you don't fear dying. But, but just give it time. Just give it time. You'll get there. I guarantee you that. Let's talk about the rescue operation. Number one, accept full responsibility for your sins. I must die a physical death because of sin. 
I mean, that, that's it. There's no getting around that. Even if you live to the return of Christ, that physical body is going to die before you meet him. You're going to shed it. Even if you're alive at the return of Christ, that physical body will die. You know. Christ is not asking you to do something that he himself did not do. Now think about that. He, he experienced this also, death. He's not asking us to do something that, we, that he himself did not do. So, number one on facing the fear of death, accept full responsibility for that thing called sin, that, that we've all been there, we've all done that, and for that reason, we have to die a physical death. Accept that. Own up to it. Man up to it. You know, just say, okay, that's, 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 that's what happens. Number two, handling death, fear of death. Compare your suffering, whatever you're going through. Physical, pain, past, dysfunctional family systems. What, compare your suffering to his. This is helpful. Hebrews 12 and verse 3 um, says, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. No, we haven't. And have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? So I think about suffering, whatever, whatever your suffering may be. I sometimes feel guilty because I complain too much. You know, my suffering is multiple things. You know, I got health issues, a left bundle branch block, my heart doesn't beat right. I've got tinnitus or tinnitus in my ears. I hear my heart beating in my ears 24-7, even when I sleep. It, it, it can be tormenting. You can't get away from it. You know, you just, it's always there. But then I start thinking, that's nothing compared to Christ. Nothing. I mean, it's not even worthy of mentioning. You have to get to that point to handle the fear of death. You, know, you have to realize, okay, what I'm going through, it, it, it really, I know it seems big. I know it seems tough, but it's, it's not. It, it, in other words, if Jesus suffered for me, can I not endure the least of suffering? If he did that for me, can I not endure the least of suffering? And I think we can. All right, the fear of dying. Number three, consider God's will in the whole matter. You ever ask the question, why did he place the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? You know, if I were God, I wouldn't have done that. If I, <laughs> if I were God and I didn't want man to sin, I'd just left that tree out. I mean, that, that, that sounds, that's, that's sort of logical there. Now, I'm not saying that God wants us to sin. I'm saying he knew we would. So, he knew we would. So, the tree, and um, you see, if our lives were just all glimpses of eternity, we would never desire anything more than that. If our lives were just a bed of roses, and as you got older, it just got better. 
You know, imagine that. Imagine if life, you felt better every day. <laughs> and you got stronger and healthier and, and you were just wide up. You know, that, this is all you would ever want, you know. So there's a reason, you know. There's a reason life gets distasteful as you get older. And then you have the scripture that says, you don't have to turn there, but it's 1 John 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I want you to, I want you to just consider how uncommon this is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's an absolute statement right there. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. You ever thought about, how does God get us not to love the things of the world? How, how does God do that? Well, one, it's called getting old, or getting, you know, aging process. And, and there's just things that, that causes us I can tell you right up front, I do not love the world. I do not love the world. It just, and the older I get, the more I dislike it because of the things going on. And the, the more I learn about how the world operates and the sins of the world. And, you know, I just, I don't love it. But if you think about how uncommon this, that is, most people love it. That's all they got. I mean, it's just, yeah. Give me more of the world. Give me more of the world's entertainment. Give me more of the world's, well, some people, religion. Give me more of the world's, whatever it may be, just give me, give me, give me more. It, 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 this scripture is very uncommon. But it's what expected of us. Love, not the world. Number four point I want to make about the fear of dying. It's what I call the abolition of man. God never intended for man to live in the flesh forever. He just didn't. That was never his plan, I don't believe. And if you think about what God is doing, let's take a look at this one, 1 John 3 and verse 1. This is a powerful scripture here. It reveals what God is doing through mankind. 1 John 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of God. Children of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, yet it does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when, we shall, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. The abolition of the flesh, mankind as we know it, you know, the, 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 the shedding of this fleshly thing, which I say praise God for that one. You know, this, this flesh is the one of the things that gives us such a fit, especially as you get older. I mean, it, glory to God that the abolition of the end of flesh. You know, this flesh is just a host body. It's for the Spirit of God to, to abide in you. And that spirit that dwells in you, God is doing something mighty right now. He's creating godly character within you. And you're going to be one day born into God's family as a child of God. And you're going to see God as he is because you're going to be like him. Think about that. I mean, I love that. I like God. You know, sometimes I don't like this part. 
you know. I get weary with this part, the flesh. And so I want to be like God, born into that family, family of God. Okay. But he also died to rescue all of us who live each day in fear of dying. To be rescued from the fear of death, you got to have, the fifth one is knowledge. You got to have knowledge. Turn to Romans 8 and verse 16. Romans 8 and verse 16. I'm going to read about three scriptures here. It says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And there's that phrase again, children of God. What is God doing? He's creating a family of children. All right? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, now here's the negative part, I don't like this part, uh, if so be that we suffer with him. Is there, is there any getting, getting around that one? I wish it was. You know. If so be we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, the resurrection, and I'm not going to go into the resurrection, but that's that a child of God, the hope is you're going to be resurrected from the dead. And, uh, you know, when that time comes, I know this is hard to believe. It's hard for me to say it right now. But when that time comes and you, you all of a sudden, you know, okay, you probably, let's just say I'm in the grave. All right. And all of a sudden, you're aware of a consciousness and a translucent, you know, like a, your body starts to come together, glowing spirit being, and you start to rise up and meet Christ in the air. At that moment, you're going to say, you know, that fleshly experience, that was nothing. <laughs> it was a piece of cake. Now, I know you don't, want, you don't say it now, but, but you, when that moment comes, you're going to say, that was a piece of cake. It was sh so short-lived, it's over. You know? And now, exhilarating power. Spirit power, like God, no longer the shedding of the flesh, no longer flesh and blood. Piece of cake. <laughs> to be rescued from the fear of death, number six. And of course, okay, fear of death is something that goes on now. Number six, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. And he that takes not up his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. Take up your cross. Now, your cross can be physical health. It can be things that happened to you in the past. It can be dysfunctional family systems that you grew up in that messed you all up. It can be spiritual torment. I mean, it can be things that still trouble you, bother you, maybe addictions or something like that. Pick up your suffering, your pain, your heartache, bad mistakes, whatever it may be. Get over it. What is... What is your cross? Think about that. What, what is your cross? Let me, let me tell you what your cross is. It's, it's those things you wish you didn't have to bear. That's your cross. Whatever you're wanting, I want, I want away from it. I don't want that. Whatever you, you, know, you wish you didn't have to bear, pick up your cross. I think we will never be rescued from the fear of death until we pick up our cross. It's, it's what's expected of us. Christ said... You don't take up your cross and follow after me. You're not worthy of me. Pick it up. 
I know you don't want to. Pick it up. Pick it up. The seventh and last one, to be rescued from the fear of death, endure to the end. Endure to the end. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. For some reason, I was listening to Bon Jovi this morning. It's my life. It's now or never. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I like it too. I'm not going to live forever. You know, there are spiritual elements to songs that if you, if you look at it close enough, very true statement. It's my life. It's now or never. I'm not going to live forever. And, and one of the things I get from that song is um, you should enjoy the journey that we got right now. Once you made the decision to endure to the end, why not enjoy the journey? Why not enjoy it? You know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. So often we think, well, it's the destination that I'm after. You know, people, some people believe, you know, heaven, that, that's my destination. Kingdom of God, that's my destination. You know, if I could just get to my destination, I'd be happy. Well, yeah, I understand that. But it's not the destination that we need to be concerned about. It is the journey that we need to be concerned about. And, you know, why not? I, I can imagine God saying this to me. You know, David, you could have enjoyed the journey a little bit more than you did. You could have had a little bit more faith. Why didn't you enjoy it? Why didn't you just do what? You know, just pick up your cross, you know. It, it, take it. Endure to the end. Get with it, get with your life, accept your reality, and, and enjoy the journey. I think you will be the happiest when you pick up your suffering, pain, heartache, and whatever it may, and make the decision to enjoy the journey. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. The masses of men lead lives of quiet desperation. You don't have to. You don't have to. God's got your back. God's got this. Enjoy the journey until we meet in the kingdom of God. Enjoy the journey.